Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Um, I've called over to see who is spreading all this information because it's always a source. Funny, right? Well, number one, I just want to point out, yeah, I have court. I have court with CPS. I do. Number two, I want to point out the articles that are coming out about the court case are very outlandish, one-sided, and definitely all mean about me. Who is the only ones in the courtroom? Me, my mom, CPS. That is it. Why wasn't David in there? Did he get kicked out? Nobody got kicked out. We are trying to keep this case as private as possible. I called up the supervisor over at CPS yesterday and I said, I want to know right now who is releasing all this information. Is it you? You know what they said? I'm literally going to tell you what they said. Janelle, it wasn't us. It obviously wasn't you because they're talking badly about you, whoever it was. Who is the only other one in the courtroom? Who is the only one that has to gain, gain from this, Janelle? I said, my mom. They're like, Girl. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our pop culture roundup. Welcome to Plathville and Kardashian recap for the week. How are we doing? How are we doing? Hope you guys are doing well. We're going to start off on a positive note. I think that's probably needed. Our can I get a hell yeah for the week goes out to me because you know what? I'm not going to make you guys suffer through me talking about Will and Jada. We don't need to talk about her book. We don't need to talk about anything she said. Okay? Hell yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> you guys, we have to get into some teen mom news. Janelle is out here Janelling harder and more aggressively than she usually does. And it's just a hot fucking mess. And it has been... I mean, like, since before we knew her, but, like, with this particular situation, this has been going on really for the better part of the year, but things have really ramped up in the last couple months. So, if you guys didn't know, Janelle, y'all know Janelle from Teen Mom. Janelle. She's still with David, the man who's getting increasingly more and more frightening as the minutes tick by. They're still together, right? They've been living on that plot of land that they call the land because, frankly, the creativity is lost on them. But 
They've been living there for years. Y'all know that Janelle did not have custody of her first son, Jace. Met their on 16 and pregnant. Barbara, her mother, had custody pretty quickly after Janelle gave birth and has had custody of Jace until earlier this year. So Jace is now 14 years old. So we have to all keep all of these things in mind. So um, for the past couple of months, Jace has uh, run away from the home three times. The first time being around mid-August, Jace left school. I guess he was supposed to go home. Didn't go home after school. He was missing for a few hours. And Janelle says, oh, you know, kids just being kids. They took his phone away and he was feeling some type of way about it. So he ran away. Second time was just a few weeks later in late August. They found him eventually at a nearby gas station. And again, we're just like, oh, he's just being a rebellious teen. Nothing's wrong. David's great. We're all great. Everything's fine. Now, the third time Jace ran away, this was a few weeks ago, and he was actually missing for a couple of days. So the third time, you know, the authorities are like, hey, this seems to be a pattern of behavior here. Maybe we should talk to Jace about this. And, you know, like he's now in the custody. He went to the hospital. He spoke to officers and he told both officers and hospital staff that David allegedly assaulted him. They found visible marks on his neck and his arm and the investigation from there got ramped up right allegedly there's also a video of said assault that the police are claiming to have in their possession this is according to tmz um so because of that janelle and david are potentially facing charges of assault and neglect and with regard to jace there's been an investigation, like I said, they interviewed Jace the past week, um, and it does seem like the charges are going to be filed. The other thing that's happened is that apparently, allegedly, they have, the authorities have tried to come on the, the land, on their property, multiple occasions, and tried to speak to the other children who were living there. Janelle is a kid with david named ensley a daughter and she has a da- uh, child that she had with um oh my god what is his name nathan a son named kaiser so first of all janelle has been on social media she is an avid tiktoker she has over th- about three million followers as of my recording and she has very much been able to kind of pivot her if y'all remember, like, in the early days of, of Teen Mom, of 16 and pregnant, Janelle was one of the most reckless and wild people on social media. She would air out all her dirty laundry. She was always scrapping with a friend, a boyfriend, both of them at the same time, Barbara. Like, everybody knew what the hell was going on with her. She's always posting and deleting shit and, like, just being very, very messy. On TikTok, she's been able to kind of pivot that and be like yeah I was the girl from teen mom but like now I'm a mom now and like here's me uh, hanging with my kids and like doing tiktok viral dances or whatever like she's trying to be relatable and it sort of worked until now because now she's spiraling now she and David 
are about to face some serious consequences, consequences that they probably should have faced years ago. But, and now, like, you know, things getting hot, hot under the collar. So Janelle has been prolifically posting on TikTok, you know, starting with the claims of, you know, we we need you guys to respect our privacy. We don't want to talk about things and we need you guys to respect Jace's privacy and you know if you see me posting like normal stuff I just want you to know like we can't talk about anything so please don't inundate me with comments about this that and the other like I can't get into it protect their privacy blah 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 right wrong First, Janelle tries to lie to everybody to say she's got custody of all her kids. Nothing's going on. Barbara doesn't have any contact with Jace. Meanwhile, not too much longer, within 24 hours, somebody finds a picture of Jace and Barbara in the car together. And they're posted and smiling together. So you're saying that she's got no contact with him. She very clearly has custody of him. So allegedly, Jace has... He's still in the protection, or he's still, like, uh, the, the government basically has custody of him, but they have given him to Barbara to care for him. So he is a ward of the state, but Barbara has been uh, issued, like, his caregiver or whatever. So then they had a hearing on Wednesday regarding Jace's claims and all of that. The According to sources, Janelle was told during the hearing that because of earlier them trying to go to the land a couple times before, now the two younger kids, Kaiser and Ensley, will be interviewed by CPS without Janelle and David present, um, something that they previously was not, they were like standing against. Apparently, the first time CPS came, they wouldn't let them in. And the second time, David just thought that they were trespassers and threatened to shoot them. The third time they came, but Janelle only allowed the kids to be interviewed in her presence. So now they're going to be interviewed away from Janelle and David. Um, there was also allegations that David went to said hearing, but as soon as they saw him, they were like, no, 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 no. He, he got booted. He was not allowed to be there. Janelle claims that... <laughs> She tried to say that this wasn't true and then immediately told on herself because she posted uh, her receipts, which were, well, they started with, are you guys ready for this? Janelle's in her 30s, by the way. Started with Janelle posting a video of her lip syncing to Billie Eilish with the caption, hashtag dear mom and she's holding up an ipad so that everybody can see i mean you can't really see but you could see right that she's like scrolling through screenshots of text messages and various headlines from uh you know, different websites trying to say like call barbara out for leaking things to the press and just generally being messy now what is so hilarious about that clip is janelle you're one of the messiest people on the internet historically and i mean that with no exaggeration <laughs> for you to sit here and lip sync and to the lyrics like i don't talk shit about you on the internet and like i don't get messy or whatever the rest of those lyrics are talking about you involving and being keeping things cute with your mother barbara 
She knows we've seen the show, right? Sweetie, all you do is talk shit about Barbara later. <laughs> what are you going on about? But then, like I said, she tries to lie and say that David was not booted from court. He wasn't there or whatever. Like, he, nobody kicked him out. Then she says, oh, well, I called the manager at CPS. I'm like, girl, think about the words that are coming out of your mouth and really live in the reality of what your life is. I called the manager of CPS to see how that information got leaked the information that she's claiming was not even true. How did that information get leaked? And she just thinks that she is doing it, y'all. And she's like, yeah. And and they said that it wasn't them. And then they were like, oh, who do you think it was, Janelle? And she was like, like who else was in the room, Janelle? And she was like, oh, my mother. And they're like, yeah, Janelle. I'm like, girl, I really don't think that CPS is sitting there on the phone with you, of all people, and being like, uh, gossiping and be like girl it was your mama girl and also you just admitted that, that was true because how <laughs> he basically just said that nobody else could have known that except for their mother that he got kicked out but nobody would know that at all if he hadn't gotten kicked out so how could she release that information if it wasn't true janelle if you're going to call things a lie, just, just end it at that. Don't try to explain it because your explanations aren't going to work, babe. And then the wildest thing of all is that she sits there and says that David, David, who, mind you, shot a French bulldog a couple years ago because he claimed that, um, that it was like a, a threat to their child and was like, yeah, I, I did it. And I don't see a problem with it. And I'm not going to go to the vet to get it euthanized when I could just do it myself. No remorse whatsoever. She said that David is one of the most patient men that she's ever seen. Girl. And then she tells us that what Jace really needs is privacy. This is like several minutes into her TikTok talking all about the situation. That what Jace really needs is privacy. And then she tells everybody to go to YouTube, her YouTube channel, to watch her 10-part series... From the last time that CPS got called on her back in 2019. So, that's where Janelle's at in 2023. And if you guys just want to like bow your heads real quick and say a prayer for all of us and say, Lord, please never put us in a position where we're telling people that the CPS investigation that we're under now is false and how we can realize that it's from the last time that CPS investigated us. I just like, I, I don't want that for either any of you guys. I definitely don't for me. So you can open your eyes now. I think we're covered. Um, speaking of people who are liars. Okay. Liars and liars in the Carolinas. We got to talk about Southern Charm real quick. I regret to inform you guys that this season is nibbling just a little bit. And I hate that. I hate that. It's kind of good, you guys. It's kind of good. I'm not recommending that you watch it for multiple reasons, but I am saying that I'm finding myself at times feeling the feeling of looking forward to and that's uncomfortable for me. It's not a place that I've been in in several years. And 
you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to have to work that out. I, I am. I am. I love being honest with you guys, you know? It's my place to be vulnerable. But the truth is that the show's kind of eating. And here's what I think. Like, not to invoke the name of Scandival again, but I do, it's giving shades of if, if you haven't watched, like, I would describe it as imagine if, you know, we found out that Tom had hit on Rachel um, at Coachella, right? And, like, tried to put it out there that he and Ariana were open. It's kind of like if everybody found out what happened right after, like, a couple months after that. And, like, they never, they like, it's kind of like that. Like, there wasn't a full-blown affair, but, like, things happened. Sketchy things happened. So, what's happening is that Shep had a girlfriend named Taylor. Taylor is a lot like Rachel in the sense that she is sheltered, um, comes from a family where there are expectations. Now, Taylor is of the southern christian variety where you're just like a good girl and you marry a boy who has got an old family name for as his first name and it's just like you have your kids and whatever like you're expected to live this kind of life and go down this sort of track right and taylor kind of did that with shep but was kind of like trying to make something out of shep that she maybe should have done with somebody more her age. Uh, there's a significant age difference. And Shep has always been, like, to me, pretty open about the fact that he has no business being in any sort of marriage um, or deeply committed relationship that would involve a fidelity, monogamy, things of that nature. And the ironic thing is, I don't think Shep would be so opposed to the whole, like, wife kids picket fence thing if it wasn't so expected of him like I think he because he's a man who like doesn't really have consequences or have to like answer to somebody I think the idea of him having to be in the system in which people expect him to be in is like I can't do that like I'm it's I'm incapable of doing that. And so I was talking to Liz, shout out to feathers in my hair. I'm manifesting it coming back. Thank you, Janelle for fucking up. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm really kidding. Janelle is in an abusive situation. Her kids are in an even worse situation and I want all of them to get out. Mostly the children. And I need Janelle to be deep in therapy, deep in therapy. But anyway, um, I, Shep to me, we were talking about, like, which one we think is worse, Shep or Austin. I think it's Austin. She said Shep. Uh, she prefers Shep because he's, like, smarter and whatever. So, to me, Austin, Austin, no, Shep is, like, that fable of the the scorpion with the frog. Where the frog, like, they're trying to cross the river. And the scorpion's like, I can carry you on my back, but I sting people. That's just my nature. And the frog's like... But I, I need help, but I trust that you won't do it. And he's like, but that's who I am. And he's like, but I trust that you won't. And then they get there, or they, like, start crossing, and they sing something. He's like, but I told you who this is, what who I was. And I feel like that was kind of the relationship between Taylor and Shep. Like, she was trying to trust something, but he was like, but I'm telling you not to trust me. And I'm not saying she was treated well or fairly. Like, he cheated on her 
But I also think he was, like, pretty open about the fact, like, this is who he is and who he's always going to be. It sucks for her. But I also think he's been pretty open about that. So anyway, Taylor and Shep break up. And Austin, who dated this girl last season named Olivia, form a friendship. Taylor forms a friendship with both Olivia and she always had a friendship throughout her dating ship with Austin. Now I noticed, and so did Madison, that Austin would do this thing that I think is like, what makes him more sinister is that he is nice guy. The capital N, the capital G, capital G, capital B, good boy, right? The nice guy and the good boy. And he was like, he wanted Taylor but in the way that Austin wants P- Taylor. And it's so frustrating to watch him do this. He runs the same game every time. And it's so frustrating to see. So what he does is like, he'll see the girl that he like is like, oh, I'm going to sink my little talons into her. My soft jaw into her at some point. And so he sees her with Shab and he's like, girly, you deserve better than that. He's so mean to you. And I, I, I just care about you so much as a friend. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I just, I just want better for you, you know, and come here, girl, and give me a hug. Right. And so she's like, oh, he's sweet, but she's with her boyfriend. And he's like, oh, he cares about me. We're friends, right? We're real friends. Cause he cares about me. He looks at me and it's like, girl, whatever. So then she breaks up with Shep Shep cheats on her and uh you know now she's single and she's friends with Olivia and they're like oh we're two single girls now like trying to figure things out and now we're besties hanging out in Charleston right but she's still friends Taylor's still friends with Austin Austin's doing whatever with whoever at this point but he's still got Taylor on the line now that she's single it's time for him to do his thing where he's like oh (laughs) is there something here between us? Like planting the seed or whatever. Like, I think I like you. I might have feelings for you. And then they hook up to whatever capacity he's able to hook up with these women. And then what's not being said is that he's got Olivia thinking that they might have a chance at reconciling with each other, but he's not telling you that. So he's now fiddling with both of you and y'all are besties getting manicures together not knowing that you guys both think that you have a chance with with austin that there might be a future with him because what he's doing with taylor is downplaying the whole relationship with olivia and being like we weren't anything we're not anything now we're not talking we're not dating whatever and so taylor's like oh okay well this is perfectly fine i'm single shep did me wrong so i can hook up with whoever i want even if it's his friend which is like technically true probably not gonna work out for you but then um she's under the 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 wrong assumption that taylor or that olivia and austin don't have anything going on when they're like kind of talking and he's texting her and he's probably texting her at one o'clock in the morning like oh I miss you and like saying things and like, you know, repeating little inside jokes that they had and like sending memes or whatever, just like real terror, like just a real emotional terror. And then where he's really gets sick is that he knows that that other girl is eventually going to find out. And then both of them are going to fight over him. That's the worst part. So I declare, I'm not saying necessarily, I'm not going to sit here and recommend, but 
if you wanted to like go to YouTube or something, I don't know. Can I say anything? There's just a clip. There's a part of last episode in which Olivia does what no woman has been able to do to Austin before, which is call him out every step of the way to every game that he tries to play on women and that he tried to play on her. And it is deeply, deeply satisfying to view. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And with that, you guys, let's get into Welcome to Plathville and Kardashians for the week. How do you think they're going to react? I mean, well, the thing is, they already know him. They just don't know that we're dating. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into Welcome to Plathville. And I'm going to tell you guys right out front, these episodes, both Plathville and Kardashians, were a little bit of flop. Like, I'm going to make it fun because, you know, that's just what I do. But they're going to be quick recaps, okay? So let's get into it. Ethan and Olivia have finally moved into their apartment. They're like right outside of Minneapolis in a small little town. And Ethan is loving it. They're walking around Stars Hollow of Minneapolis adjacent and just like having a great time. He says that it took him a week to feel at home there compared to like the eight months that it took him in Tampa. And like, they're loving it. They're also really loving living together as a couple, like a married couple without having their little brother and sister there as roommates. That's really nice. I keep forgetting. I keep having to remind myself rather that these two were only 24. Like they've been married for four years and they're only 24. It's, it's a lot to consider. And it really puts things together. So, basically, like, Olivia says that she figures this is, like, going to be an equal and opposite effect, right? That if living with siblings was stressful, terrible, whatever, and now they're out of it, it's going to have, like, the opposite, more positive effect on her relationship with Ethan. Now, it seems like in the preview for just next week, she talks about how she and Ethan aren't really hanging out with each other. So more on that later anyway um Ethan and Olivia are talking about like how great they feel now and how like it's great to be away from Mariah basically (laughs) although Ethan does say that he called her or he attempted to call her rather but he's still blocked right but Olivia's like really looking at the positive side of this she's like yeah maybe Mariah was part of my core memories for the past six or seven years I gotta say like I know that I'm pushing 40 here and I'm just, not everything's going to stick for me culturally. I think I'm over core memory and I think I use it, but I'm also ready to let that go. I don't want to talk about core memories anymore. We can talk about it in the context of like children having actual core memories, like first memories. I don't want to talk about it in the terms of adults. I just, that's just my truth. But y'all do what you want. Anyway, um, so basically, she's like, yeah, maybe Mariah was part of my life then, but, like, I'm kind of relieved because I extended a lot of energy towards the Plath family, and now I've got a lot more time freed up to do things that actually make me happy and have healthy relationships, so I'm good over here. <laughs> so then Ethan keeps asking, and this is how I think they're in trouble, Ethan keeps asking Olivia, this is now the third time in as many episodes that he's asked her about having children and when they can start having children. He's like, I want to play with it. I'm really excited. And she clearly doesn't want to have them. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. Bad idea, boy. 
over in LA, Micah's doing a photo shoot to, you know, drum up some fresh pics for his, what do you call it? <laughs> Portfolio. So basically he's like struggling. He's having a crisis of whether or not he should stay in LA because he really likes it. He likes his friends and all of that. But the longer he's there, the more he misses Georgia. And then when he's in Georgia, he misses LA. So it's just like freelancing is inconsistent. He's making hella money one month and like not too much the next month. And it's just like a lot. And he really wants to be there for his sisters in the time of need. And his lease is about to come up. So he's wondering what he should do. That's, that's basically it. We just get to watch uh, Micah be hot and just pose and show off those dimples and wear ripped sweaters and, you know, just be, be pretty. So I guess we'll have to see what happens to Micah. <laughs> the stakes are high and the dimples are deeper than ever. Speaking of dimples, Isaac is basically Micah number two, but like the Micah of Cairo. All of the scenes serve to do is to show that um, <clears throat> Isaac's got game. Like he wasn't trying to tell Lydia what he was up to, but he's telling his boys Fisher and the other one. Fisher and, and whatever the other one's name was <laughs> that like his back of his truck is basically a revolving door for all the little teenage girls in um southern Georgia and northern Florida for him to make out with like it doesn't matter uh who it is it's just like a different girl every night sometimes multiple times as it turns out and like I don't need to know that okay I'm happy for you Isaac and keep your lips moisturized and you know Scrape your tongue. What else do you want me to say? <laughs> this boy's like 17, right? Right. So basically Isaac's like, I think I'm a little bit between my brothers. I'm not Ethan. I'm not trying to get married at 19, but I'm also not Micah who's, you know, just flashing dimples at anybody who swipes right on him on, on Bumble. So he's just like something in the middle of that. But then he says like a kind of interesting thing, which is that actually... This might be more interesting now that I think about it. That his parents, the pla you know them, Kim and Barry, um, they were really strict with the older kids, but they really kind of loosened up the reins on him around 14 to 15. So he doesn't take that for granted. And he says, I'm really honest with them. I'm telling them where I'm going. I'm telling them what I'm doing because I don't ever want to betray that trust that I built with them. Like, it's just not worth it for me to lose that. Now, the interesting thing about that is that I wonder if this is now going to um, be a point of contention between him and Kim for what comes up later. Like, he was being a very trustworthy boy, only for you to, like, be slipping inside and behind his back. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. So back in Minnesota, Ethan and Olivia are just playing cards with Ethan, Ethan's cousin, Amaya, who's 18. She's about to go off to college. Like, she lived a very different life than the Plaths. And when Olivia asks her if she has memories of the family, she's like, you know, we would just watch on my iPad. Like, every time they would come up, we would watch just funny cat videos for hours because they didn't have access to technology or the internet, right? And how her family was, like I said, like, quote-unquote, normal, right? And they would just... <laughs> she said that when the Plasts would come to their house to stay, they would have, you know, their, like, worldly food, secular food, uh, you know, processed sugary snacks or whatever, and that they would have to hide those foods. But I think she said it more like, 
not like they would have to hide that to um how, how am I gonna say that she was saying like they would hide their regular food and put like healthier food in place of it but she said in a way that wasn't like we didn't want to give them the option of taking the food it was more like we didn't want to look bad in front of them and then she was talking about how you know they would wear normal bathing suits bikinis whatever's but the plas would have to swim in the river with a maxi skirt on and it like denim or whatever and how they used to call ethan elf because he was just like bopping around being mischievous and smiling and excited about everything and Olivia says in a confessional that it's interesting hanging out with people who have had different life experiences than her and Ethan because Amaya's getting ready for school but at her age she was reading books on how to be the best wife possible and how like part of that she looks back at and it's funny but then the other part of her is sad so Amaya asks her if she's ever considered going to college and Olivia's like yeah I mean I have but she's got imposter syndrome basically she's never been in a traditional school model she and ethan made this pact that they were going to be in one city a year for the three years in a row and so she says you know i've never had a traditional school experience and so i would like to have that i'd like to be in person but with our plans i can't really do that right now so just kind of between a rock and a hard place but then she tells us in a confessional then honestly, she thought about going to college like every day and she really, really wants to, but she kind of just has it as something that she keeps on the horizon because it's so scary. And if it's just like over there, then she doesn't have to deal with it because it's too far away. She's like very therapized. <laughs> After that, we see the Plath family celebrating Mercy's birthday. By the Plath family, I mean Barry and the kids. Because apparently this is like a few days after her actual birthday, but he and Kim have custody worked out so that she was with Mercy on her birthday and then he got him a few days later. But don't you think it's interesting? We don't really ever see scenes with Kim and the kids. It's always Barry and the kids. And she just kind of talks about her relationship with them. But it doesn't seem like it's really as existent as she even pretends to be. And even what she pretends to be is not that much. So I'm really wondering what's happening. And then again, when are we getting to the DUI? Are we going to be addressing this on the show? But anyway, Lydia, this little cornball, her little Christian cornball, <laughs> she says in a confessional that one of the positive changes that she's seen in Barry is that over the last year, he's being a lot more intentional with her and the rest of the girls, like spending time planning things that sort of thing. And then she says, you know, I always, ever since I was a wee little girl, have wanted a close relationship with my dad. And it was never not close, but it was never really close like I wanted it. But over the last year or so, it's been really sweet and amazing. <laughs> ever since I was a wee little girl. And this goes back to a um, theory that I've had about the Plath family since season one. There's a divide. Have you guys ever seen... um Encino Man, or do you know the concept? I think I've talked about this before, but like they, they to me are like some of the kids were like stuck in the 90s. Mariah, um, Micah, but then other ones are stuck in like the 1890s, like Lydia. Like she's significantly younger than me. <laughs> Ever since I was a wee little girl. <laughs> How does that happen, babe? 
how does that just roll off the tongue? I just don't think I've ever heard that outside of like a Louisa May Alcott book or something of that nature. Like it's giving butter churner in my, and like I have to churn butter for my family. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, not not just like a hobby. But basically my theory is that there is a like kind of tuck everlasting thing going on with the plaths. And I haven't got it fully worked out, but I'm at like 87%. Anyway, when I get to 100%, I'll let you know. Mercy gets a kayak for her birthday. So let's celebrate that. And then Barry talks about how this is like a new path for him. You know, he's just been talking about how much of a great dad he is but i you know i don't think he really pays a lot of reverence to the fact that like if we're to believe kim he was like a pretty negligent father um and partner really so he talks about how you know he and kim had this plan to have a bunch of kids and they were all toe-headed and they had like six under the age of eight at one point it was just a blonde paradise for them apparently and how great that was but then he says that in hindsight, he would do things differently, like focusing less on work and more on being with Kim and the kids. But like, he's like, yeah, you know, that's life. You make mistakes, but it's about if you keep on making them or do you learn for them? And I don't think they should be together. And I do feel like Barry was probably emotionally negligent. That doesn't, I, I still don't derive like a whole bunch of, you know, empathy for Kim because she is a bad person. But that doesn't mean that you should be in a relationship where somebody doesn't really love you the way that you feel like you deserve to be loved. That is true. With that being said, what was I going with? Where was I going with that? <laughs> oh, I am feeling like Barry just like doesn't really tap into his emotions about how he like really wasn't there for Kim. It's just always like about the kids. And I think well, it's like, yeah, you're still missing the point. But whatever, you guys are broken up, you know? What are you going to do? Ethan, we see him back in Minnesota playing frisbee golf with his two new friends from work. He got a job loading de delivery trucks. And basically, these dudes call him Elf, too, and say that he came in. He was bouncing around. He's making everything fun, just sprinkling fairy dust all over everybody. And, you know, that's how they all became friends. Ethan does tell a story about how the only other time he's ever seen icicles in real life was when it, like, had a, there was an ice storm in Cairo, um, when he was about 12, but the icicles were tiny and probably about the same size as his dick at the time. So, I didn't need to know that. 
So we'll just move on. Anyway, he says that he is like hanging out with two guys. One named Josh, who says he vibes with on, you know, they connect on cars. But there's this other guy, Andres, who they vibe with because they both have traditional Christian values. And Andres wants a wife and a family and how he probably has never had a friend his age that has the same values as him. So the producer asks Ethan, oh, are you still a Christian? And he's like, yeah, I never wasn't. It's like Olivia, not so much. She's kind of reviewing her thing. But honestly, I've, you know, he's like, I've been Christian this whole time. And it's really encouraging to meet another person like that because I had only connected with people from the other, like older generations who feel like the need to have traditional values. So, you know, people say traditional values and it's like a chill goes up my spine because that there's a real slippery slope that come with that. Like it's real slippery. And I think Ethan is probably there. Oh, by the way, you guys, Nathan, I was talking a, a few episodes ago about how uh, Olivia and her sister were putting makeup on Nathan, how Nathan was talking about how, you know, he's kind of in a live or let li- live and let live. I'm just doing whatever feels right and not sticking to my strict Christian family's values. And I was like, oh, that's like really girly pop of him. But uh apparently on his instagram he's very clear on the fact that he's anti everything so that's confusing to me but i just wanted to address that because a few people reached out but so yeah i don't know what the hell's going on with nathan doesn't seem great but ethan says that he is trying to mess up the plan the three-year plan a little bit he's like you know we were in tampa for a year and i'm kind of hoping i can talk olivia into staying in uh, minnesota for two years instead of just one and us moving on to the next location but we'll see about that then miss kimmy baby meets up with her girl alicia alicia we find out because i was wondering what happened to this dance studio that kim was kicking up her leg on that bar what happened? Is anybody doing tap or jazz or, you know, contemporary over there? No. Alicia, thank God, took over the lease for that space and turned it into her store. And my quick question is, especially because Alicia is a black woman, like, I'm just curious about how much of um her upstairs rent is being subsidized by this rental that she's doing. Like, is she being a fair landlord i doubt that but anyway alicia is also a social worker on the side or something i don't know she's got a lot she wears many hats and i'm sure most of them you can find for sale in her store but she told kim um when they were going into business together with the lease that she could sense that kim was shy and she told her i can't do business with shy people and that's how they became friends i don't know I don't know. Alicia seems a little, um, I, she just seems like she's got a lot of energy. I like people who are a little bit more low, low key than Alicia, but I don't have to be friends with her. She look, told me I was too shy for her. If she told me that. I'd be like, great. But anyway, Alicia got, she did what she had to do. I will say that she was making all the faces that I was making. I'm like, girl, Kim, you, you got a storm coming. But Alicia says, that she could tell that Kim was like broken. <laughs> She's like, I could tell she was in a zombie form and I could see the hurt in her. So she decided to keep talking to her and help Kim move on from the past. So they're going down to get something to eat. 
And Alicia's like, yeah, what's been going on? And Kim's like, well, you know, as you know, I told you I'm getting a divorce. And I guess since the last time we've talked, I've met somebody. Y'all, I told you she weren't rocking around with those chokers and those hoop earrings. She had a man, okay? I knew that. Kim said in a confessional that it's actually only been a few weeks, but he definitely gives her the warm fuzzies. So Alicia asks, yeah, I want to know all about him, girl, like Spill. So Kim's like, oh, you know, he treats me really well. He always wants to know how I'm feeling, like he's good looking. And Kim says in a confessional that it's been several months since she and Barry have separated and how refreshing it is to have somebody who really hears her, but like hears her, hears her, like hears her heart, the heart behind the things that she says, not just her words. And how she's been hungry for that for a long time. You hear that, Barry? Hungry. She's been so hungry. And I could tell over the past few episodes, she had that glow to her. Her hunger had been satiated. The meat sweats, if you will. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. So Alicia asks, does Barry know about her dating? <laughs> meat sweats. If Barry knows about her dating anybody. And she's like, well, yeah, I did talk to him. And when I told him that I was seeing somebody... He didn't really say anything. He did say it was sad, but he didn't say anything else. And Alicia's like, yeah, he was probably devastated, ma'am. And sometimes guys have this idea in their head that like one day y'all are going to get back together. And he probably wasn't trying to hear about you with another man. And now it's like, oh man, is this really happening? Are we really breaking up? So Kim, bobblehead, (laughs) says in a confessional, You know, initially when Barry didn't say anything, I hadn't considered that that might be out of shock. Hmm. But maybe it was. And, you know, maybe if that were true, then it would give me a little bit more understanding as to why he didn't respond. Girl. Girl. You were probably loving it. Like, I'm seeing somebody, Barry. Not hungry anymore, Barry. She's so mean. 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 So then Alicia asks her, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? How are you going to tell the kids? She's like, yeah, I'm terrified, but I think it might be time to tell them. So Alicia, who's been divorced, and I guess this is why uh, Kim is coming to her, says, I did not introduce my kids to my boyfriend until I was sure. Like, I was thinking he's going to be spending the night at the house, but that's up to you. So then Alicia asks her, how do you think the kids are going to react? And Kim goes, well... The thing is, they already know him. They just don't know that we're dating. And Alicia goes, oh boy. Uh, And then she makes this face like, yikes, babe. Uh Uh-oh. So Kim reveals that the man that she's been seeing is Airplane Ken, the man who went 50-50 on that uh, plane that Isaac bought, or that she got took a loan out for Isaac to buy. Girl. Girl. Now she tells us that before she met Ken, that she felt this connection to him because Isaac would come home with his rosy cheeks and just talk about how great Ken was and what a great man he was and how just like good of a person he was. And then she's like, oh, you know, like I met him and I thought he's good looking and a nice person to know. Now I'm wondering, it was this, did we see the meet cute on camera? Was that, was that? Did they know each other before that? Because now we're looking back at her being like, hey, 
trying to say hi to him. Like, is she trying to holler at him? Or had they already been? And they were trying to keep it cute in front of her son. That's a million dollar question. Because then the producers ask, which one of you pursued the other one? And she goes, next question. Which answers our question. So Kim tells Alicia that she's really concerned that Isaac might feel like Ken has been keeping things from him. Like, why do you not also have that concern for yourself? That's weird. But Kim tries to justify it and be like, well, kids don't hear everything from their parents. Parents don't tell their kids everything. And Alicia's like, well, yeah, I mean, but you're kind of on the line where things could go either way. So Kim says in a confessional that she's most nervous about telling Isaac and if he's not okay with her dating Ken, they're going to have to talk about it because, frankly, she can't be living her life about her kids. She's already over them, kicking up her leg on that bar over at that apartment. In 10 years, all the kids are going to be out of the house. Which house? They don't even live with you anyway. But she is, you know, she's going to be left with a life and a life that she wants to live. So, you know, can she just be... <laughs> she's getting dicked down for a couple weeks and she's already like Isaac I mean listen not that you should be making all your decisions based on your 17 year old child but you could maybe have a little understanding as to why this one might be a little bit upset with you in this case you know a little bit so then Alicia tells Kim you probably should be nervous about also telling the girls because they tend to be daddy's girls and how are you feeling? How do you think they feel about the divorce? Because if they're not good about that, they're probably not going to be super, ha super happy about you dating either. So Kim says in the confessional that she's most nervous about telling Lydia because she knows that Lydia has very strong convictions against the divorce. It is very clear. You know, I as as a kid of divorce, I think what happens is you tend to... As, go or like have rose colored glasses for the parent who's not around as much so like if you end up living with your dad you're like oh well my mom's she's perfect and vice versa and and you kind of tend to side with the one who's not around as much which is interesting reverse psychology i think <laughs> but but it's like it, i think the less you know or the more you have sympathy or empathy for your parent i don't know i'm not really sure how that all works out but i i've noticed that that tends to happen but it's not happening in this situation <laughs> seems like nobody really has empathy every time we see lydia like i told y'all last week she was rolling her eyes at her mom talking about untangling the tangled web that she's woven of her life she didn't like that there's very interesting and she's you know gee golly willikers over barry she's not gonna love this and i just can't wait for the christian shade that lydia throws at her because it's gonna be elite expert level but then the episode ends with alicia telling kim that in her experience her kids were most concerned about her still being a mother a present mother who wasn't gonna have this man whisk her off and not be their mother anymore. So she tells Kim, listen, probably not all of your kids are going to like this news. And they also might not even tell you that. So like really be attuned to their emotions, right? So Kim says in a confessional that regardless of how they respond, it's really important that she tells the kids soon. So more on that. We'll see later. I'm happy to commit to this. And then on my 40th birthday or something, maybe. 
Me and you. What? What? Me and you what? I don't know. You, you heard him. You <laughs> might Anyhow. have bumped your head as well. Maybe need a brain. No, but on my 40th birthday, maybe I'll All right, y'all, let's get into Kardashians. We start out with Chloe going to visit Scott, who's in a way, he's in a bad state. He's gained a lot of weight because he had a car accident where the car flipped, 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 and his back has been fucked since then it's just getting worse he can't do anything but he's not wanting to like do anything to help like he's so scared of getting surgery that he doesn't want to do anything because they told him you're probably gonna have to do surgery but chloe tells him do physical therapy and try to do something preventative before you have to do surgery right chloe says that this is probably the unhealthiest that she's ever seen scott which we know she just means he's bigger. Because how could you have known Scott Disick this whole time and say this is the least healthy he's been? <laughs> that can't be possible, Chloe. So they sit down and Scott asks how Tristan's doing. Chloe's like, well, you know, he's living with me, right? And, you know, he's like, well, are you guys closer now that you guys were living together? And Chloe says, he and I are great friends. So then Scott's like, but yeah, are you guys like, like, are you getting that sausage? Chloe's response is not no. It's, why don't you ask him? I don't care. What the, what the shit kind of answer is that, Chloe? It, it sounds like a yes. So Scott goes, you know, do you ever just get like a little half asleep on the side kind of acting? He's like, well, he has his own room. And Scott genuinely seems surprised by that. He's like, are you for real? <laughs> She's like, yeah, we have boundaries, but we're great friends. And again, him having his own room doesn't mean anything, you know? It doesn't mean we're not stiffing. So then she says, I don't know what the next five or ten years will bring. If he's my person, then he's meant to be my person. But right now, I'm not going to make my life any harder than it has to be. So yeah. I'm going to have as much of a seamless, fantastic co-parenting relationship as I can. So Scott asks what's going on with her dating life. <clears throat> she's like, I just don't have the energy, you know? Like, before I go to bed, she's like, I'm running around the kids all day, and then I go to sleep. Before I go to sleep, I just think, oh, it's Groundhog Day again, which is depressing. Chloe, talk to somebody about that, please. But then we have to go to Miami because Kim is working on her private equity fund, something called Sky Partners. I don't know. She's very wealthy. Okay. She basically tells us, y'all don't even know what I do all day. It's not just me posting in bikinis. Okay. I, it would bore you. It's pre-IPO meetings. I'm doing skims. I'm looking at the fabric from uh, Amazon and, you know, telling them which ones to put in my brand. Like, I don't know what she... She keeps pushing the skim stuff, and it's like, girl, we see, you see the, you see the, the dupes, and they're not even dupes. They're exact brand, exact same thing. Just doesn't have a skims brand. You can find them. Just look on, just look it on, Amazon. It's very easy. But then, right before she has to do this speech, their talk. It's like a three-hour talk. She says, she's on the phone, like literally behind, backstage, saying, "Go whispering, my pair of pants." I only have one pair of pants and they're latex. And I'm going to show you a picture. My whole ass is out. So Kim asks production in a confessional, are you guys using when my pants ripped? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So we see a picture of Kim 
in the bathroom of this conference center trying to rip the material off off of her skin after it's over because Chris and Tracy had to glue her pants to her ass. And then she says to whoever she's talking to on the phone, oh shit, my mic's on. (laughs) So Kim basically tells us that her hand, I don't know what the hell she was doing, but her hand went straight through her latex pants right down the back, whole left cheek exposed. They had to put wig glue on her ass to put it all together because she didn't have any other pants. But she had this like long blazer, which was fortunate because her whole ass was exposed. She's just like sitting there for three hours hoping that it doesn't rip any further. Back in LA, Tristan is truly singing for his supper. He's over at Chris's house and she's like wiping down the counters. Let me do that, Chris. Please. He, I mean, and then he does something that honestly he would be very helpful for, which is uh, putting things up on really high shelves. I, you know, a, a broken whore clock from Hampton is right once a day if you're helping me with a tall shelf right so chris we find out is the one who got tristan the job at espn she called them down to the abc disney on a friday and he was at that desk on air by monday and that was it and i guess we're supposed to be like oh that's great the only thing that signaled to me is that man is never leaving this family you got him an abc disney contract oh that's it he's in there for life can anybody who knows ask your man or whoever you gotta ask is tristan a good nba commentator oh god i guess i'm gonna have to find out i'm gonna find out if you guys don't know i made a pact with myself and my sister who's a virgo so now i can't go back on it that i wanted to have decided to get into the nba this season and really be a basketballer so i'm told that the season begins in about a week i'm very excited about it i'm gonna be a bulls fan i've officially announced and it's gonna be a fun time it's gonna be a fun time i found out who jimmy butler was a couple weeks ago because of the the um emo hair that he did i thought that was funny but then i was scared because you know i never want to I never want to laugh too hard at a man because you never know what they've done in their past. So you'll have also, can somebody tell me if Jimmy Butler is problematic? Because I did think it was funny. It warmed my heart a little bit and it excited me for the season. So anyway, where are we going with this? Oh yeah, I guess I'll have to find out if Tristan's a good commentator then. From the clips that we saw, didn't love it though. Didn't love it. And it really like begs the question of what is with him? Because I will say in the beginning couple months, I was thinking that Tristan was very cute and whatever. I'm a dimple girl. That's why I have, you know, problematic feelings about Craig from Southern Charm, you know, and that's just my albatross. Okay. That's my cross that I have to bear. But now that we see him like with the cheating, I'm not even understanding how he's cheating because he doesn't seem to have a game. He's got that weird voice not hot at all he's tall tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad-free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And it's kind of cute, but is that it? Any plays basketball? Okay, I answered my question. He just looks like his skin is dull. And like Chloe now doesn't make him wear makeup on camera anymore, which she used she used to. <laughs> Check that out. Past seasons. And and now I'm just like, I don't know. It just kinda looks like a like a dry sponge. He just doesn't seem to have any game. Boring. Anyway. Anyway, then Tristan and Chris start talking about these pictures that Chloe had sent her where she and Tristan were doing a workout together and the kids were there. Now, what was interesting is, you know, he's talking about, oh, you know, Chloe's my best workout partner. My boy's there puking on the side, but she's like ready to go for the next thing. But Chris was like, oh, yeah. And it's so funny because she was working out with the kids. And we see her doing like leg presses or whatever, holding Tatum and True. And they're on the iPad while she's like squatting 30. Didn't see Tristan. Even not a, not a picture, not a clip of a video interacting with either of those children that he had with her. But I guess that's why she's got custody of him. Both of them both of them anyway um chris says her whole thing basically the same thing that kim said last week you know we know that tristan's made mistakes and i know he's really sorry for the way he hurt chloe and i know he probably feels bad every day about it probably haven't asked him i'm just guessing but really the most important thing for everybody is raising those kids and i worry she says the same thing that uh that Corey said last week that she's worried about when Tristan moves out what that's gonna do for Chloe and how there's gonna be a void there after that and I'm like Tristan I know that you're not Tristan Corey I know that you're friends with uh Steve Harvey and and you love this like old school act like a lady think like a man which explains a lot about you Corey but why would there be a void with him being gone like how about she just be strong on her own like why does she need to depend on him like keep him in the house because what he's not gonna be able she's not gonna be able to i mean she's pretty tall just get a little mini stepper maybe we should consider hmm if her mental health is only improved by the man who was most abusive towards her being in her immediate presence and you're scared that she might be lost without him that would be deeply concerning and not a reason to be in a relationship with him but i don't know that's just me <laughs> after that uh chris tells the story about how she went evil lovey on somebody in true's class because she was there the class for some reason and didn't like how the kid was treating true and she almost yelled at the kid but she had to check herself because it's a different era (laughs) it's like what's going on chris (laughs) after that we have to watch kim fulfill her filming obligations with dolce and gabbana for the show because she's going back to milan for the official launch of the collection though the last season was just the fashion show and her picking out the clothes and then the final walk right but this, now the collection's actually being released to the masses. So she and the morally corrupt Dolce & Gabbana are going to have a big party about it. Another fashion show for the next collection. Blah, blah, blah. Kim says, because the first trip was 
such a flop, a really big emotional toll with her, you know, stealing Courtney's Dolce Vita lifestyle. The feelings are now coming back. So she tries to convince Chloe to go with her because according to Kim, they had a certain vibe. They were like vibing together in the 48 hours that they were in Milan Milan and now she needs Chloe to come back because Chloe was her most carefree her most like no drama self and her one wish for Chloe is that she would experience life outside of Calabasas which is fair it's especially fair if you only spent two days somewhere and everybody was like you were a totally different woman Look at you. That's concerning, Chloe. Y'all aren't reading the signs, I feel like. You know? She also invited Courtney, but Courtney didn't want to go. Obviously, Kim was like, that upsets me. I'm like, well, yeah, probably. I, I could see why. <laughs> before that, or not really before that, um, Corey also, we find out, has a deal with Dolce. He did a collaboration and Chris is so proud of him because Corey would tell all these stories about how he would steal his dad's silk shirts back in high school because he loved them so much. So now he's doing a collab with Dolce and Gabbana. And, you know, just in case you want to get your man anything for Christmas. Corey for Dolce. Gamble for Gabbana. Okay? Kylie actually shows up to this dinner that they're having for the launch and she tries to rub noses with chloe i mean that literally like a you know rubbing noses but then she goes don't take off my nose contour kylie and Corey are good judies as we find out she loves him they're drinking tequila together getting drunk whatever but she also tells malika that she's feeling more like herself again so i'm feeling probably this is around the time where she was getting you know dimotes le pines de chalamet the penis de Chalamet. Even Chris tries to talk Chloe into going to Milan. She's like, you just need to get out of the funk that you're in. And then Chloe tries to get out of the funk that she's in by doing a mini photo shoot to showcase her ass and the outfit that she wore. And the producer lies to her and goes, the world loves your booty, Chloe. I'm like, girl, since when? Anyway, she decides that this dinner, sitting here in Calabasas, with a candle and some pasta is all the Milan that she needs. So she decides not to go with Kim. They really act like this is like a great tragedy that Chloe did not go to Milan to get her groove back. But again, y'all are only there for two days. I'm not really getting it, but whatever. Kim tries to call her kids while she's in Milan. Saint hangs up on her. It's like, uncle Tristan bought me some shoes from the Nike store. Bye. Click. And then she tries to call North. North's running around the house talking about how she made $300 at a lemonade stand and is also burning sage around the house. She's like, I, look, mommy, I'm burning sage around your bathtub. And then she hangs up on her too. <laughs> but then Courtney texts a picture of Robert, their dad from back in the day. And that's basically, you know, the international sibling sign for we're not fighting anymore. You know, just, you scrap you get into it courtney says we said things that i think we both regret but you know the dynamic y'all get into a crazy fight somebody sends a funny text and you're all good so they're fine i guess after that chloe goes with scott to get his mri results and he tells the doctor that since his car accident he's gained weight and he hasn't been able to run around and do the activities that he usually does 
And then he says that the only other treatment that he's done in order to save his back was spending a couple hours with some lady in Santa Monica who told him just microdose on shrooms. Even I wouldn't say that was a good idea. <laughs> like, nothing else. Just take some shrooms and, and feel it out, babe. So the doctor was like, well, what did you do for fun? What were the activities that you would do recreationally? And he's like, sex. And he's like, I can't even do it now. I'm terrible. I need to get back on the wagon so I can fuck. <laughs> so they, then they interview him. They basically tell him, like, you're on the line, but we think we can do some stuff before you have to take... Uh, a surgical route. So they interview them after the fact in the parking garage. And Sal goes, you know, I think I'm going to commit to the physical therapy. And then he turns to Chloe and he goes, you know, maybe if I get better on my 40th birthday, me and you, she goes, me, me and you, what? It's like, you know, me and you. She's like, did you bump your head? Do you need head surgery as well? And honestly, I feel like, fuck it. We're at the end of the world. You know, why not just see what happens? You two crazy kids. They have a lot of chemistry. I I wouldn't... I'd be like, oh my god, that's crazy. But then I wouldn't be that shocked. So just try it out. So the episode ends with Chloe and Tristan, who I've never seen have chemistry, really. They're talking about Amari, his brother, who's sitting there, by the way. He's, like, sleeping in his, in his wheelchair. The poor thing, this sounds like literal torture, has these very specific and very severe seizures seizures that are triggered by him sleeping so he can't he has a hard time sleeping and anxiety about sleeping because the seizures start which probably makes him worse you know i love sleep so much like that would be my like saw torture and i'm not even kidding like that would be literal torture for me i have all the empathy in the world for Amari. Like, I, I can't imagine. So Chloe explains, because Amari needs 24-hour care, he needs nurses that are coming in and out all hours of the day. Yeah, Trista could afford to go to a hotel, but it's just easier if he's at a house. So then Chloe says she's also on all of Amari's medical stuff. So she's she knows what he's got what he's dealing with, all this stuff. She's talking about things that even Tristan doesn't seem to be privy to. He's like, wow, you really know a lot. And she basically says that it's like she feels bad for Tristan. She understands because her father died. She says, after he died, I was in a hole for like three years that I couldn't get out of. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel for three years. So I can't imagine having to deal with all this medical stuff on top of it. So she's like there to help Tristan, which is very honorable. Can't say that it's not. I just feel like ultimately this is going to be unhealthy for her. And then there's also the extra layer where she even talks about, she says in a confessional, I don't know if it's dark or if anybody's going to understand this, but I feel like maybe I was equipped with tools because of Omar, who couldn't walk. He was bedridden. He couldn't speak for months. So she tells Tristan with my ex-husband, when he was in his coma, the doctors would say, like, he can't hear you. But she would continue to talk to him, play the music that he liked. And then when he woke up, he would say to her that he heard everything that she said. She's like, I, I knew it. So she's saying all this to say, like, who knows what Amari knows or what he's hearing and, and taking in, right? <clears throat> so a producer tells Chloe, 
you know, they say that God gives their hardest battles to their song- strongest soldiers. And she's like, yeah, well, maybe I need to talk to somebody about that. Somebody needs to talk to him about that. And the episode ends with a producer asking Chloe in a confessional, are you prepared for when Tristan moves out? Which is to me such a wild question. Wild to me. And then she goes, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like people are planting seeds with her that they don't need to be. They don't need to be. It's killing me to watch. Oh, Lord. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Thank me for speaking. (laughs) 